the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Greetings and welcome everyone to the latest episode of Aviation TV's Connected. I'm your host, David Danto. Um, this is one of a series of programs that I'm doing on the internet across many platforms now that we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic to try and give uh, people some advice. Um, and, and I'm joined by uh, one of my friends and industry analyst, Brent Kelly. I'll let him introduce himself in a minute. The, the, the premise for this webcast and this conversation comes from a reporter that reached out to me in the second week of, uh, of the pandemic saying, can you please give me some information as to what I should use? What, what video collaboration platform should I use? And my answer to her was, it's complicated. <laughs> it's not the easiest thing to do because depending upon what you need, there are a lot of examples. So Brent and I were talking over the last couple of weeks and rather than give you advice saying this is our favorite and this is our second and this is our third favorite, we wanted to give you a quick presentation about what criteria you should use to help yourself make that decision and how you should approach it and what's the right thing to do. So the one thing I'll preface before we start this is that, that neither Brent nor I have any vested interest in any of these companies. Um, we're going to give you some examples of companies that, that we use and or platforms that we use. Um, we're not going to give you any examples of ones that we don't like or haven't used. Um, just because we haven't included it in this list doesn't mean it's bad. We're just coming up with some examples here. So we're not endorsing any product. But we're, try again, just trying to give you a method um, methodology around how to figure out how to approach picking a partner and using a partner and using a platform. So with that, Brent, let me let you introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are and what you do. All right, great. Thank you, David. My name is Brent Kelly. I am the president and principal analyst at Kelcor Incorporated. Kelcor is a boutique analyst firm focusing on the unified communications and collaboration market. David and I have known each other for a very long time as he's worked uh, in, in the industry. I've worked as an analyst and we've crossed paths a number of times. And as David said, we were chatting about this topic of how would a beginner choose, you know, a video conferencing solution. And so as we prepared for this uh, webinar, we kind of did this in terms of, well, what are some different cases? And so with that, and with that introduction, I'll just turn it back over to David to kind of guide the discussion. Yeah, no, so the, it, it, that's really the way we want to approach this. If somebody says, what is your favorite platform? Um, I got to tell you, you know, having done this for, you know, close to 30, 40 years at this point, or more than 40 years at this point now, you know, I don't have a favorite platform. I have a favorite platform for certain tasks. And in the course of any given day, you know, I have the luxury of using three or four of them. So let's go through that from, from what, what you put on paper. Brent, why don't you share that? And, okay. and let's go through the tasks that, that we're looking at and how you go about picking something that meets those tasks. All right, that sounds great. And so, as David said, I'm like him. I use the appropriate tool for the situation that I'm in. And so we're gonna to try to give you a little bit of guidance. Um, and the first thing, you know, just video conferencing, it can be complicated, as David mentioned. So we're gonna to try to simplify it a little bit. And, and here's a few use cases that might be helpful, okay? So, David, do you want to go ahead and, and kind of do the use case, or do you want me to do that? How should we? No, go ahead, go go right through it. I'll just I'll just um, throw throw darts at whatever you're saying whenever it's appropriate. 
Okay, yeah, that sounds really great. And we'll make this interactive and, and with some dialogue between us because we've both got some rich experience in this. So one of the first use cases that David and I thought about was, well, I just want to connect to my friends and family. What can I use to do that? And so, again, just from my own personal experience, I just asked the question, is everybody, do they all have an Apple device? Do they have an iPhone, an iPad, or a Mac? Well, if that's the case, then using FaceTime, just for family and friends, it's a slam dunk. It's easy, it's built into the operating systems of all these platforms. And normally I use it one, you know, one-to-one -one video, but it turns out that a, a year or two ago, uh, Apple added the ability to have multi-party FaceTime meetings and you can get up to 32 parties uh, within a FaceTime meeting, okay? So let's ask the same question. I wanna just do things with friends and family, but I have people that have Android devices, or I have a mixture of devices, uh, Macs, PCs, uh, Android devices, iOS devices, and so forth. Well, then it's a little harder, and, and we're gonna get into some of the other tools that you can use, because on an Android device, you really don't have a video communication solution that's built into the operating system, okay? I, I would also add in, in this category that if, if you're not doing any of this for business, if this is just to stay in touch with family, there are some consumer options out there. A lot of the uh, smart speakers with video that, that are on the market have the ability for you to stay in touch. Some of the social media platforms have that ability. You know, again, if this is not for business, you're just trying to reach out to family, you've got a bunch of options like that. None of them are wrong, um, especially now, you know, as you're going to get into some of these things are free or freemium. So uh, there are lots of options out there. Yeah, and we, we don't mention per se the ones that are you know typically on, on social media. Um, David and I typically work in a business environment, but we do have friends and family that we use some of these things for too. All right, should we go to the next use case? So Absolutely. I just want to do video with people who may have Macs and PCs, okay? So one of the easiest tools that I talk to people about, and this is one that David hadn't heard of before, but this is using a technology called WebRTC. And, and there's several out there, but the one that I use personally is called Whereby. This is from um, one of the uh, telcos out of uh, the Nordics, Telenor. And uh, it's free, uh, and I particularly use this with people who have limited computer skills. So for example, my mother-in-law is 84 years old. She has a Mac and she says, Brent, I need you to help me do something. Well, I need to see her screen. So we use this, we do video conferencing and screen sharing with this particular tool, okay? And for this, all you need is a mic, a camera, and any of the, you know, the four major browsers, and they'll work with that just fine, okay? And to start a Whereby meeting, it's really simple. You just point your browser to whereby.com. You put in some unique meeting name. You, you want to make that unique and kind of uh, distinguished enough because if somebody uses the same name as you, then they'll join your meeting. But just use some unique characters. I've only had one time where I got stepped on in a meeting. And then all you do is you give the other person that same URL, and your browser will say, is it okay if I use your screen and camera? And you say yes. And that's it, just connect in. And uh, it's one of the really, one of the easiest tools. There's no downloads, there's no clients, there's nothing to do other than just use these four common web browsers. And the emulation of the, the promise of WebRTC for years is finally showing itself in, in, in one or more apps. 
Absolutely. And, and like I say, there's a number of, of sites that use WebRTC. This is just the one I happen to use, so it's not an endorsement, it's just saying, what do I do? And as, as one who uses this a lot, that's what I do. Okay, so one of the next questions is, well, what if I need to connect with people that are all in my company? And so the comment that David and I talked about is, well, if, you, if your company already has some kind of a corporate standard for collaboration and video communications, really you should use that because if you don't, you may be stepping on IT, you may be stepping on security policies, you may be stepping on governmental regulations if you're not using the corporate standard. And there's a reason why they've put in a corporate standard. It's not to inhibit you, it's just because there are some of these other reasons that you need to, to consider. And that's actually something that's really a really important point, and we do want to stress that, is that, you know, if, if you work for a large organization with an IT support group or, or an InfoSec group, don't go out experimenting with these browsers for work or with these clients for work. Just, just don't, because not only could you be using something wrong and getting personally in trouble, you could be getting your company in trouble with regulations and compliance. So, so if, if there is a governing body that in the organization that you're working for, stop your research, stop watching this webcast and go give them an email or a call and ask them what they should be using. But now if you're, you know, if you're a sole business or a small business, medium business, sole proprietor, uh, and you're looking to find something that'd be functional for yourself, now we can continue with what some of the possible advice would be. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, and it may be too that, that if your company has a corporate standard and they haven't rolled that out to you, then talk to your IT department and, and ask for it, or you might say, well, I saw in this webinar that there's other options, and as you see on this screen, some of these are freemium kinds of options. So I list here uh, four different solutions, Microsoft Teams, WebEx, Meetings, Zoom, and LifeSize. These are all tools that have freemium kinds of versions, and I'll show you some of the uh, limitations on the freemium. Uh, there's a couple of others that I use uh, on a regular basis as well. And these don't have freemium versions per se, but they do have some limited time trials. And all of these are from reputable companies. They're used widely in the uh, video conferencing industry. They work and uh, uh, we just use them on a, as David mentioned and as I mentioned, we use different tools throughout our day depending upon who we're talking to. And we may use two or three of these tools in a given day. Now I mentioned that there's some uh, limitations on the free or the freemium versions. That's what I show on this slide. I think the key uh, elements of this are what's the meeting time limit, as you see in that third column. Right now during the COVID-19 crisis, uh, several of these companies have changed their freemium meeting limitations to unlimited. Before it may have been 40 minutes or 45 minutes and then you had to disconnect and then reconnect. They've also expanded the number, the maximum number of participants as you see in the far right column. So you can see some of these freemium versions right now are extremely capable and uh, you're able to join these meetings, you're able to host these meetings and so forth. And so if you need something to get you by and your IT department hasn't given you a tool and they say it's okay to get one of these freemium versions, then this may be, uh, these may be options for you as well. Okay, so one of these companies that we mentioned, and, and this is not picking on anybody, it's just you're going to maybe you'll have read in the press over the past week or 10 days that there might be some privacy and security issues with Zoom. 
and um, there have been some in the past before, different companies put a different emphasis on privacy and security, and so you don't like to see any of that in a tool that you might be using, and so I join Zoom meetings even though, you know, there may be, uh, you know, kind of some background issues here. I personally don't host meetings myself with Zoom. I'll use a different tool if I'm going to be the host. Um, I think the real key point here, and, and David and I may have uh, at least some differences of opinion on a few of these tools, but I think we do agree. If privacy and security are going to be important to you, you really need to analyze and become familiar with any of these tools you're going to happen to use. Look at their security, look for articles that may have been written about their security and so forth, and just just get familiar with them. Don't yeah, hesitate. The, the, Go ahead. The piece of this that, that I would want to emphasize while you're talking about it is um, there has been quite a bit of, of, of embarrassing um, and shameful FUD out in the industry over the last week or so. FUD is an acronym that we use in technology for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Um, a lot of people have been throwing rocks at Zoom. Uh, and, and, you know, when, a, when an organization moves from what they said was 10 million active users in February to 200 million active users in March, um, all of them joining a platform free that was designed for enterprise, not really for personal use. There are some issues that are not as simple as there are security issues. Part of it is there's educational issues. Um, people don't understand that, you know, they can't just put their meeting out somewhere in public and not have people join. Um, they don't, under, you know, the, you don't blame the, the, the car manufacturer if your car gets stolen because you never figured out how to lock the doors. That's on you. So you can't just jump into these things and think they're security issues. I know the CEO of Zoom has said, look, we're going to focus a lot more on security, and I trust them. So the only comment I would say is if security and privacy is important to you, as, as Brent said, learn the right way to use the tools. They all have advice, free advice, free webinars, you know, free videos that you can look at to see how to protect your meetings. Um, but I wouldn't take the current spate of articles and rocks being thrown at Zoom as a reason not to use them right now. Um, I would do my own research and figure out what it is that's the right thing for you to use going forward. Um, and and I, I appreciate every one of the players that have jumped into this crisis right now to make their services available way beyond what they are expecting, including the good people at Zoom. So again, yes. you have to do the research on your own. Indeed. And, and like I say, I, I use it. Okay. David uses it. And so that gives you a sense that we're not that concerned about what may have been written. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Another use case is, well, I need to do screen sharing while I also do video. So it's good to see, you know, heads and faces and so forth, but what if you want to see content? Well, the tools that we've mentioned, all of these that we've mentioned are able to do screen sharing. So you can screen share back and forth between the different uh, people that would be in a meeting. Uh, also, you can even share from a PC or Mac to a smartphone or a tablet if somebody happens to be using uh, say uh, an iPhone or an iPad or something like that, uh, whereby also provides that capability so that um, on the mobile app, the mobile whereby app, you can uh, see somebody's screen that they've shared from a PC. Okay. All right. Now, here's a question. What if I have a mobile device, say like my iPhone, or you have people that are using mobile devices and they need to share this screen? 
then how do you do that in a video conference? Well, the good news is that that's, that's a possibility with most of these tools. So of course, if you're going to use these solutions on an iPhone or an iPad or an Android device, you're going to need to go to the appropriate app store and download the app first. And then uh, once you've done that, here's some experimentation that I have done or some specs that I have looked at uh, on these different devices with the different products. And so on the left, you'll see these products. It's Teams, WebEx, Zoom, Pexip, BlueJeans, and LifeSize. And you can see on the right-hand column of this where it says screen share from an iOS device, say to a PC or a Mac. On most of these, you do have some kind of screen sharing capability. When I tried the WebEx uh, solution, I was not able to share my uh, screen from my iPhone uh, in WebEx. You can share from the PC or a Mac to the uh, iPhone, but I couldn't share my iPhone screen. So that would be the only limitation there. Also, if you happen to use Whereby, uh, you cannot share from your Whereby app running on your iPhone or your tablet. And, and we, we need to point out that that's kind of a fringe use case, but that's, again, why you yeah. need to understand what your use case is. You know, if you yeah. want to share screenshots that you've taken, or if you work on, on, on an iPad Pro and you want to be able to share content from there, that's something that's an important consideration for you. If it isn't, then it isn't. Well, so for me, the use case here, I'm a member of a family history organization, and there is a very popular app for that called Family Search that, a lot of teens use when they're on smartphones and on tablets. And so we needed to do some training the other day, and we needed to have the capability to see the phones, see the uh, the screenshots of how they were using this app so that we could make sure that it was being used properly. And so that was an example there of when this was important, okay? And it's not just teens, it's uh, lots of people are using uh, smartphones and tablets for different kinds of, of access into different apps. So this gives you a sense that you can do this, you just need to use the right tool. So this is another use case that, you know, as you kind of add these up, you may be saying, well, this tool works here, this tool works here, this tool works here, and you may be kind of filtering down into, okay, so I have these three or four different use cases and I'm found, I found one or two of these tools that'll work fine for me, okay? All right, what if I only want to use a browser? So I don't want to have anybody have to download a client or anything like that onto their PCs. Maybe your PCs are locked down. I just don't want the hassle of doing that. Well, of course, on a smartphone, that's not an option. But on PCs and Macs, uh, it is an option. And I, again, I've listed these six tools, the ones that I'm most familiar with, Teams, WebEx, um, Zoom, Pexip, BlueJeans, and LifeSize. And you can see that they work with most of the browsers. Um, again, this is I'm running a Windows 10 PC here, and that's that's where I got this data. If you happen to be on a Mac, there's just a few more limitations. Maybe it doesn't work in as many browsers. Sometimes it may not work with Safari. And so, you know, Microsoft Teams working with Safari, well, that doesn't surprise us, okay, because Microsoft and, and Apple have not always been that friendly, although, although things are getting better. So this just gives you a little chart as to what's going to work if you happen to be on a Mac and you want to be uh, doing video just using a browser with other people who are, who are just using a browser. And Any one other point on this, David? Make, yeah, if, if you're, um, you know, right now we're all home. The, the whole world is working from home. 
Um, hopefully, you know, we're going to be out of that soon. At some point, we're all, some of us are going to go back to offices and there will be people in locations. We haven't put down a list of which one of these products work with room systems. Um, it becomes a little bit tricky and a little bit critical at that point when you want to talk about um, platforms that work with room collaboration systems. Some of the platforms will only work with room collaboration systems that are compatible with them. Um, so some will work with more universally. Some will require you to use a third party um, uh, uh, service or system to be able to interpret and interpolate it. Um, if, if it's a consideration that for the next, you know, uh, X number of weeks, months that we're stuck at home, you want to use a tool, but you're going to want to make sure that it works with the 40, 50, 60 other video conferencing systems you have within your organization. That's a question you have to answer as well and look into. Um, and you, you know, it's surprising. The, the concept of interoperability in our uh, industry is older than Brent and I combined. <laughs> We've been talking about interoperability for forever. And every time we get close to it, someone drops a bomb on it in the industry and there are new parameters that come in and make it work. So it's, it's, it's one of the, when we said before, it's complicated, it's complicated. Um, but if that's a concern, it's something you need to be aware of because it will not be as easy to start the meeting in your conference room, or at least it won't be the same to start the meeting in your conference room as it will be to start the meeting from a PC or, or an appliance that you have at home, something that you need to be aware of as well. Right. Thank you, David. That's a great point. And oftentimes these little, I'm going to call it a gateway for lack of a better term, sort of a gateway between your the, the product you're using and your, your room video conferencing systems, often there's going to be a charge of some kind for that. Not always, but often. Okay. All right. Maybe just a comment then if you're going to be using a browser or others are going to be using a browser. From those charts that I showed you a minute ago, one of the things that you can see in there is that Google Chrome seems to work with most of these tools. And so if people are going to be using a browser primarily to do video conferencing and they don't want to download the, the client, so to speak, Chrome will get you through on all of those. And uh, if if you want to try some of the others, feel free, but just the gold standard here is going to be Chrome, okay? All right, here's another use case. Well, what if I want to broadcast a video meeting to a lot of people, meaning that maybe I have three or four people who are presenters and then I might have 50 or 100, or I was in a meeting just the other day where we had 640 people attend. It was a training meeting, and it was, again, for this family history organization, but we didn't want to have a big meeting with everybody being able to participate on that. Well, if you do a broadcast or basically a webinar, and let me distinguish between a video meeting and a webinar. Typically in a video meeting, everybody, everybody is sort of at the same status in the meeting. Typically everybody can speak. You can see everybody's video. Uh, depending upon the tool, anybody can share. Uh, in a webinar, you're only going to have one, two, three, maybe four people who will be participating, speaking, and so forth, and sharing content, and everybody else will only be listening. And so that's the difference between a meeting and a webinar. Anything you'd like to add to clarify that situation, David? Yeah, I, I, I would point out that a lot of the services that offer freemium capabilities offer these capabilities on meetings. 
meaning that everybody's an equal and equal participant. Everybody can share, everybody uses their video. A number of people have reached out to me and said, well, if I want to have a meeting with five, six, seven people chatting, but 90 or 100 or 300 other people um, are watching it that can't actively participate, how come I can't do that? And some of the answers are that, you know, the freemium product doesn't extend to a webinar. Um, that's one of the cases in Zoom. Zoom provides meetings for free, but they don't provide webinars for free, and those are features of a webinar. Um, as you start to look into some of the webinar capabilities, you will see that it varies. Um, platforms such as uh, Zoom um, and BlueJeans and, and, and a few of the others have very robust, uh, well, they're all robust, but they have, they have very large ca capacities for participants. I, I've done a weekly Zoom webinar where we've had 50 people on it and all 50 people are participants. And what I'm able to do is I'm able to promote them from being an attendee. I recognize the name and I promote them to being a participant in that. Um, BlueJeans has that capability as well. Some of the other platforms, Cisco scales out, I think, just as large, um, if not larger, but Cisco has a, has a limitation on the number of participants, uh, the number of active participants, and you can't promote people from being a viewer to being a participant. Um, and then as you point out on your slide, a number of these platforms, when you're doing these webinars, will also give you the ability to link to um, a streaming platform, whether it's YouTube or, 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 or Facebook or some other type of system. So again, you can get viewers that, that are passively just watching and listening via a, a larger distribution method than just being on the webinar. So if that's something that's important to you, if it's, if it's a few talking to many, as opposed to everybody talking to each other, all of what we've been talking about regarding meetings is probably not applicable. You need to look at webinars and it's probably a service you have to pay for. I like how you put that, David. If it's a few talking to many, that, that's, the, that's the thing to keep in mind. If that's the case, that's a webinar tool. And some of these solutions, you can use the same ones. For example, Microsoft Teams, you can, you can do that to 10,000 people just using Teams and you don't have to get an extra license for that. Cisco, for example, you have to get a different kind of license to do that. It's, it's a different product that allows you to do that and so forth. So just be aware, you can do it. It's a little more complicated. You just have to learn how to do it, okay? But you can do it. Okay, well, here's another use case. It's maybe not exactly in the realm of video conferencing, but it's certainly in the realm of collaboration. What do I do if I want to collaborate, maybe even co-author a document with somebody else? And so David and I were looking at this as we were preparing for our, our remarks today. Um, in this screen, up on the upper left, you can see David's screen. And one of the interesting things you see there uh, is you can see my name, Brent Kelly, in the middle of his document. And what that shows is that although David's editing, and you can see his cursor, his is the green one there, uh, mine off to the right of that upper image says Brent Kelly. And so I'm actually physically editing the same document at the same time that David is. My screen that I see on the bottom right, uh, I'm in, I'm in the... Uh, I have a, a purple kind of cursor, but you can see David is actually editing, and that's the view that I see. And so you can actually co-edit, co-annotate uh, these kinds of things, and, and we happen to be using the Google platform uh, for this one. Uh, any comments on that, David? Yeah, I think that the one of the important points is, this goes back to what we said right at the beginning of the webinar. You need to understand what it is that you want to accomplish. If you're trying to have face-to-face -face meetings with people and share a slide, 
then most of the platforms we've been talking about today accomplish that very well, plus or minus the individual features. A lot of organizations say, well, you know what? It's more than just about the video. I want to be able to have conversations with people. I want to be able to share, you know, team chats and team documents that are persistent. I want to be able to co-author documents, and I want that all in a single suite. Well, I, I would say, and again, this is all personally my opinion, Google's video platform is titled Google's Hang Google Hangouts Meet. I got to get that right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's a mouthful. Um, it's a perfectly good platform. It isn't my favorite because it's not compatible with many other things. Um, but if you're looking to do documents, uh, collaboration and chat and and video the G Suite product is it's all in one take care of it same for Microsoft Teams you know Microsoft uh, moved from uh, um, Skype for Business to Teams and and created you know a very solid video platform but in many ways it doesn't have the same features as some of the other platforms maybe you don't need some of those other features but if I'm looking for a suite that that lets me co-edit a document and launch a video and do an instant message i can get all of that in teams and i shouldn't be looking for another platform so so again it, it comes down to what are you looking for are you looking to just share faces and share screens or are you looking for that larger robust collaboration suite right as david mentioned you can you can do the same thing uh with with the microsoft tools and what i'm showing on this particular slide uh this is somebody this is two people co-editing uh, a Microsoft Word document. And so you can do this, and, and again, it's just what do you want to do? How hard is it going to be to do this? This actually isn't hard. You just have to learn how to do it, okay? But it's, it's, it's capable. You can do that. These tools are capable. And in this one, this is actually powered by a function called SharePoint Server, and you can get that up in the cloud, or you can get it on-prem, on and it should work on both. Yeah, and, and we have it in my organization. We have it built into our Teams. Teams is essentially the, yeah. the front end for that. So I wouldn't, I w don't be uh, uh, scared by <clears throat> the Microsoft terminology that just seems to change a lot. You know, we, we've, while we're recording this, you know, the news is that Office 365 is now changing to Microsoft 365, you know, and, and you know, are you still using SharePoint or are you using Teams as a front end to SharePoint or using OneDrive or, you know, don't, don't get confused by a lot of the terminology here. Though the point that we're making in this, a presentation is that if you're looking for a video conferencing platform, here are some good choices and how you pick them. If you're looking for a team collaboration platform that includes all of these other features, you know, Microsoft, Google, a few of the others are offering that to you and you should be looking for those other features, not just a good way to share video. Right. Okay, let's go on to our next use case then. What if I want to see a lot of people at the same time? And you might say, well, gee, why would I want to see more than four or five or, or, or six? Well, what if you're a manager and you want to see if your team is, is all there, if they're, if they're paying attention? You can tell a lot of things about somebody just by looking at their body language. And so these tools, the, the different tools are going to have different capabilities. This, for example, is what it looks like in Zoom. I don't know what actually the capacity is to see uh, the number of people in, in all these different tools. I just know that they have different capacities. This is Zoom. You can see a bunch of people uh, there with Zoom. This is a tool called GoToMeeting. Again, you can see a lot of different people. And GoToMeeting is a tool that we really didn't talk about here. It used to be used a lot. It is not used as much as it has been, but it's still a very good tool. And again, you can see lots of different people. In Microsoft Teams, uh, right now, 
we believe that you can only see four people, and if you get more than that, it's going to put it into a little gallery view where you can see little thumbnails at the bottom of the screen. And with Cisco WebEx, again, you can see lots of people. This is a screen that's got 25 people. If you have more people than that, then there's just a little scroll that you can see the second screen of 25 and so forth, and, and you can have uh, different screens of 25 with Cisco WebEx and, and just see all the people in your meeting. Now this goes so, back to what we were talking about, uh, about understanding what you need. And this has been going on in the video conferencing industry and collaboration for years. If you see somebody with a relatively large size, you can really see their facial expressions, their eye movement. You, you get much better body language across than if you see them in a little post stamp. You know, the, the technical term for that has always been continuous presence. Um, people call it Hollywood Squares or Brady Bunch or whatever you want to call it. You, so, so you're going to get a better experience with less people on the screen at any one time. Um, right now, uh, Brent and I are using a process called voice switched, not continuous presence. Now, there's only two of us, but what that means is you're seeing the person that's talking in the full screen, uh, in this case, on top of the presentation screen. Um, th that's a better experience for video, arguably. Uh, but if you're a teacher and you have 30 people in your class, rather than seeing the facial expression of every individual student in huge detail, you probably want to see that every student is there and paying attention. Because if little Becky or little Johnny is not there anymore, maybe you want to pause your class for a second. So, so if that's important to you, you know, Microsoft Teams doesn't have that ability right now. It's only showing you four people. We read online just this morning. We wanted to make sure we were checking our facts that, that, that they've announced that they're going to have it three by three. So there'll be nine people. It certainly won't be the 50 people that some other people are looking at. So again, what do you need? Do you have that desire to be able to see 50 people at once because you want to keep track of them? Or if that's the case, you want to pick a platform that does that. If you only have the desire to see, you know, a few people, the last few people that spoke and you're more, you care more about, you know, the, the quality of the image and the size of the image, then, you know, that opens it up to using other platforms as well. That's why we keep talking about what's the criteria for your need and what's your decision-making process. And as David mentioned, you can change these layouts with most of these tools. And so, as I mentioned this comment in the middle, you can look in each of these tools for controls on how to control how many people you're going to see. You may have meetings where you do want to see one particular image, say, of a presenter, and you want to see that really, really well. But then you may want to go back to a different uh, configuration where you can see a lot of different people just to maybe see how they're reacting to what somebody is saying. So uh, there's controls with the tools. You can learn how to do this. Okay. Yeah, and by the way, there are also different controls for different platforms, and that's something you should look at. Um, the BlueJeans platform, which we happen to be using to record this webinar today, allows me as the host to force everybody into a specific view. If we were working on the Zoom platform today, uh, every one of the Zoom participants can pick the view that they want, regardless of what the host desires. So if those features are important to you, you need to investigate those as well. Okay. Let's go on then, and I think this will be our last use case, David, before we kind of wrap up with some tips. What if I want to record a meeting, kind of like what David and I are doing here today? Well, um, there isn't really a standard way to do this between the different tools. And so there's going to be some things that you're going to want to be thinking about, such as where is the storage going to come from to store a video meeting like this? Sometimes these can be fairly large. Uh, depending upon the size of the video and so forth that, that you're going to do it, that you're going to store. And so where is that storage going to be? Is it going to be on my prem? Is it going to be up in the cloud? And if you move it off prem and up into the cloud, as I mentioned on the right on this slide, 
just be cautious because if you're inside of a company, there may be some corporate controls that you should be aware of as, as far as where you can legally or within the, the um, guidelines of your company, where you can or should put things. Also, certain companies have legal requirements. It may be HIPAA, it may be Sarbanes-Oxley, it may be some other thing. And if you move video outside of what the recommendations are, then you may actually be putting your company at risk. David, in your experience, other comments or thoughts about recording meetings? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to be concerned, and this is what goes back to what we said earlier in the webinar, which is if your organization has um, selected uh, um, a platform to use, they've probably selected it for a certain reason. There are requirements, certainly for regulated organizations in banking and pharmaceuticals and a few other industries as well, for when you've made a video recording, it's considered a legal device, document, for lack of a better word, and there are policies on how long you have to retain it whether or not it's discoverable by lawyers if anybody sues you, and at what point you have to erase it. And if you're just making these recordings on your own and keeping them on your PC, you could easily be breaking those regulations again, not only putting yourself at risk, but because you work for a company, putting the organization you work for at risk. You could be breaking federal regulations that they've agreed to. So that's why this is all really important, you know, especially as it relates to recording. I have a number of uh, clients that I've worked with over the years that have that have required with all of these platforms to take things like recordings and chat, you know, text chat that goes along with other things that certain individuals with certain roles have to be prevented from using those tools because they don't want them to be discoverable. Um, so again, it's, it's something you need to be aware of if you work for a large organization. Um, there are probably regulations that you need to follow. Ask your IT and your governance people, um, you know, your compliance people. And if you're in your own small company and you're in a small business and you're recording a meeting, once you make that recording, you probably have legal requirements to keep it. Um, and you might want to check with you know your firm's attorney or 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 or, or one eight hundred lawyers or us or whatever the, uh, the the inexpensive legal advice people are because again once you've made this thing you have some requirements um, and some expectations around how you're going to manage that recording. All right. Well, as we wrap up, this is the the last slide, and uh, I thought about well if I could maybe only give three or four pieces of advice around video conferencing. Here is what came to mind. Try to have good lighting on your face. And so David and I, you can you can see us fairly fairly clearly. I have a light in front of me that's actually trying to provide light. Uh, David, you can see very, very clearly. It just makes the meeting better if you're not in shadow. Also, you know, where your camera is pointed, uh, you just want to make sure that, that it has a, a good, you can have good eye contact with the camera when you're trying to make a point or when you're speaking to, to the other people and so forth. So those are a couple of them. Also, um, before you use these tools, just use it with somebody that's friendly. So if you choose one of these tools that we've talked about today or, or some other that we haven't talked about, just practice with it a little bit to make sure that you know how to use it, to make sure you know how to join the video, you know how to join the audio, you can screen share and so forth. Uh, and, and then know how to do that before you get other people involved because they may be asking you, well, you said to use this tool and how do I do this and this and this and this? And if you don't know that, well, it's not going to be a very good meeting. But if you do know it, you can have some great meetings. The third one is if somebody's going to be using one of these tools for the first time, 
I will often call them on the phone kind of in parallel as they're joining until I can get the audio and the video through the tool. And, and I just do that to make sure that they, they can join correctly and it's, it's just a friendly way to, to help people uh, get on board, get familiar with, familiar with using a tool. And, and it's just a way that um, eases some of the adoption. Uh, I won't say pains because these t tools are all pretty easy to use, but it, it just eases the effort that's required to get up and going. And then once, once we're connected using the audio and video through one of these tools, I'll just hang up the phone and, and we'll just use those tools from then on. Yeah, just be very careful when you're actually doing parallel live calls, you start to get into the concept of feedback which is, you know, microphones and speakers built into a conference call um, generally have what's called echo cancellation. So you don't hear yourself coming back in an echo. They're very good in dealing with that. Once you add a secondary device that's also getting the same audio and video, you'll start to hear that feedback, that screeching sound. So you have to kind of be careful that you've got some of them muted while you're using the others. Um, it's a good, uh, it's good advice to try and have that parallel connection, but do be aware that it might also complicate it in that way. Right, and, and we mentioned at the bottom, if you start hearing that, if you hear echo or something, use a headset. Uh, that will help. Even if, But if you have the two channels going, if you have the phone and you have the audio and the video, you may still get some of that. And so just mute the mics, and, and that will make that go away. And then once you're connected, just discontinue the, the uh, phone channel, okay? Um, one of the other things is video can be taxing. And so uh, I typically recommend make your meetings, you know, no longer than 30 to 60 minutes. I've been in some that have been hours long. They've been half day kind of meetings. Uh, those really get tedious. And so just 30 to 60 minutes is, is just a rule of thumb. You can go longer if you want, but just make sure people can get up. They can, you know, go to the restroom. They can get drinks. They can eat. Uh, they can do whatever they need to do and then come back and meet again. We kind of mentioned this a little bit, but I would encourage you to avoid sending your meeting information, say the URLs and meeting passwords and things like that. Don't send those through, through social media. Don't send those through channels that people outside of your meeting are going to have access to. There's a, a term, and it's called Zoom bombing, and it, and it happens not just with Zoom, but it's with anybody. If if they get those meeting credentials, we have seen recently in the news, given that so many people are now using these tools, that somebody will publish the meeting information, how to, how to join the meeting uh, online in some place, and then you get all these people coming in, and sometimes they're doing some pretty awful things in those meetings. And so send them through secure email if you can, or, or just send them through email only to the people that are going to need it or send them through an SMS, a text message on the phone, some kind of a secure way. David, did you have any other comments on this particular item? Yeah, I want to bring, draw that one back to what we were talking about earlier, which it's not enough to pick one of these platforms, set up a meeting, join it, and be smiling ear to ear that you got it to work. It's important if you're going to be having these meetings on a regular basis and hosting these meetings that you become familiar with how the tools in the meeting controls work. If you have a public meeting, if I've sent out a meeting on, on a social media channel and all five of the people that I wanted to join have joined it, in most platforms, I can now lock that meeting. 
which means that nobody can accidentally join it, even if they've got the published information, but I need to know how to use the lock. I need to have taught myself. Um, also, meetings, as, as we've heard about a lot this week, now have the ability to use waiting rooms. And I think one of the things that Zoom talked about is they're now changing the way they do it, that they're making waiting rooms. When it was always something you could choose to do or not do. Now it's something that the default choice is going to be that it's on, which means if somebody joins the meeting and you don't recognize their name, you don't need to admit them into the meeting. And this is across all platforms. Platforms. That's why it's critical that once you've picked one of these, or if you're going to pick one of these, it's more than just, hey, look, I see you, I hear you, success, you know, Miller time. Now you need to understand, well, how do I lock it and how do I secure it? Um, and the next point that you're going to make is also just as critical around this. Well, you you, uh, you had a family member that just experienced this. Do you want to, do you want to address that point? Well, yeah, the, the idea is that um, um, my wife who um, is working early intervention with young children in, in, in the northeastern part of the U.S., um, obviously can't be visiting houses right now. So she was asked to use um, video conferencing to be able to provide parents to help with their, you know, toddlers um, uh, that, that, that have these, uh, you know, learning delays. Uh, that's terrific. But the recommendation that she got from a platform she had not used before was here's your new personal meeting room. Just send everybody this one and join them in the meeting room. And while that might be good, um, the situation you run into as a as a as a therapist or as a as a you know an instructor, if you're doing yoga classes or as a classroom teacher, that if you invite everybody to your room and that's the only code that you use, um, the next group of people invited to your room might join early and join you in your room. So you think of the, the, the video meeting room, the virtual rooms that we're talking about as physical rooms. And if you give the same room number to everybody, people can barge in whenever they want. Most of these applications give you the ability, rather than using your recurring space, your personalized room, to set up a random number that this is my one o'clock room, and this is my two o'clock room, and this is my three o'clock room. Those are the ones you should use. Or in some cases, like I know in the case of GoToMeeting, you can set up permanent, multiple permanent rooms. So so this is a client one's room and this is client two's room and this is client three's room you'd want to make sure that you've set understand the difference between what a recurring meeting is um, and, a, and a recurring room that's always available and a unique meeting that's only you know one time usage and why you want to understand which one to use at various points that also prevents people joining that shouldn't be in the meeting you know and, and if you do happen to to join a meeting like that that's been a recurring meeting or it's on somebody's personal video room, so to speak, you join the meeting and you can see that there's people there that you weren't expecting and they're talking about a topic that you weren't expecting. Well, just do the courteous thing and disconnect. Give it a few minutes or send send a message to the to the host and just say, I joined the meeting and it didn't sound like this was the right thing. But but just do the courteous thing and uh, and wait for a few minutes and then you can join in because sometimes meetings go over time and if if they're using a personal meeting room, you'll get into a meeting that really you weren't invited to, so just be courteous. And then we already talked about if you hear echo, uh, just try to use a headset, uh, even on both sides. I think with that, David, that was the prepared content that I that I had, and uh, I'll turn it back over to you, and we can, we can either end or we can do uh, any other uh, discussion you'd like to bring up.
Well, I think that these are all very critical points. I want to reinforce just one more time that, that any platform that we've mentioned on here, Brent and I have both used and we have had good experiences with all of them. Um, if we haven't mentioned a platform on here, it doesn't mean that they're bad. There are a lot of people in the space right now. The, the general guidelines that we're providing for you here as to what to look for and what the scenarios are or what you should be able to follow to use this. Um, uh, everybody knows that I work in the industry. Everybody knows that Brent works in the industry. If you need to reach out to us, because you have a specific question, we're more than happy to take the questions either, you know, on social media, on, on, um, on, on direct messages, on email, we'll let you know how to reach out to us. Um, I'm not going to give you advice as to, you know, which one of my children I love more, um, because that's just not fair. Um, I'll certainly tell you that the company I work for makes great products and you should buy a lot of them. But when we're talking about things like this with, with various platforms, there are better tools for better jobs. And we'll certainly be honest with you about that. And even with Brent and I or anybody else in this industry, these are our opinions based on our experiences. Other people have other opinions based on their experiences. Nothing will beat your experience. So avoiding the FUD, picking the tool that you need for the job, following these guidelines, this will really help you get through this, this time when you're trying to find a platform um, and any time you're trying to find a platform for video conferencing. So, so Brent, how does somebody reach out to you if they want to get more information or want to have a chat with you or want to hire you for a multi-million dollar consulting project to help them find the answers here? <laughs> well, you can, uh, you can reach out to me at Twitter. My Twitter handle is E-B-K-E-L-L, -L, or you can go to Kelcor.com. And there's a place where you can contact me and send me send me a message, or you can reach me on LinkedIn. I'm up there too. Brent, thank you very much. Thank you for your generosity of your opinions and your generosity in providing us with fabulous slides and guidelines. I appreciate it. Um, everyone knows I'm uh, David Danto. If you need to reach me, uh, just Google my name and pick one of the 300 emails or um, uh, NJDavidD on Twitter, and I'd be happy to chat with you further for any of this stuff. Um, so for AV Nation TV, for the IMCCA, and for all the other organizations I work with, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Connected. Um, please follow the IMCCA web uh, page with our pandemic support page. Uh, just go to imcca.org and pull it down on the resources tab. You'll see all of, all of our programs, including this one, all the advice and help that we're providing uh, agnostic for the good of the industry. Until the next time, thanks very much.